0: Well, thank you. Please be seated. And good morning to you all. I was almost getting worried when Elder Matafwali was about to give a reason for why the pews are empty. I was wondering whether it had something to do with the preacher. But after the good singing and then the filling up of the auditorium, I, I can't afford but conclude that it's the people who have gone. So please let's send the message so that the next Sunday they go now to Ibex Hill and, and on and on. I'll ask you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Haggai and chapter 1. Haggai and chapter 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses there. Haggai chapter 1, one of the minor prophets. If you are there, the Bible reads, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotio, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehosadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat and you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, On what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. We'll end our reading there. I'm kind of asking if uh, this fan could be turned off. Uh, I'm struggling with uh, the notes uh, being blown away here. How would you describe your life this morning? Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Very difficult a life of one problem after another or is it a financial crisis that you would say characterizes your life and what explanations would you give for those circumstances? What would you say is the reason why life might be the way that it is? Well I want to suggest to you that uh, there are many reasons why we go through difficulties And it's true that some of the reasons are not even this side, meaning it's not us primarily, even though ultimately when we agree with what God says about our lives, we know we are involved. But it's because of other individuals, other people, or situations beyond our control. I do agree. But I want to suggest to you that from our text, whenever we neglect God's work, God always intervenes to bring loving judgment. And so this morning I'd like to speak to you on the subject, the neglected temple. The neglected temple. Before we look in the text, just two things. First, the background to this text that we are, we are looking at. The Jews have just returned from captivity in the land of uh, Babylon. Babylon. In fact, at this time, we would safely say under the leadership now of the Persian king, because Babylon eventually also got overturned by the Persians, and they've returned and they've been given permission to come back to their land so that they can rebuild the temple that was lying in ruins. And as they began to rebuild somewhere around 536 B.C., they are faced with opposition from the Samaritans. And two years later, the Bible tells us the building or the construction stopped. And, and just so that you, 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 you craft this history in your mind, go with me to Ezra. And I will read a few verses there just to show you. Ezra chapter 4. Ezra chapter 4, if you are not yet there, it's okay, let me just read. First verse 1 and verse 2. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Isahadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. These are now the people writing to the king, complaining about Judah. Be it known to the king that the Jews who came up from you to us have gone to Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Look at verse 14. Now because we eat the salt of the palace, and it is not fitting for us to witness the king's dishonor, therefore we send and inform the king. In order that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers, you will find in the book of the records and learn that this city is a rebellious city, hateful to kings and provinces, and that sedition was stirred up in it from of old. Come to verse 18, still chapter 4. The letter that you sent to me, now the king acknowledges this, has been read uh, to me and because of time he now instructs that the rebuilding of the temple be stopped. And where you end now, or where we are now, is where we began from. So the rebuilding has stopped until the second year of King Darius. And that was uh, verse one uh, of our text there. So that's the first thing important for us, and it's the, the background to this text. But the second thing is just to emphasize that the message before us this morning is both for you who is a Christian, primarily, I must say, but also. It is for you, this morning, if you are not a Christian. If you do not remember a reconciliation in your life with the Lord of Lords. If you have not repented of your sins, this is your message. And the reason is simple, and I hope it will become clearer in a moment here. You and I are the greatest work of our God. When you look at the reason Why did God create man We don't have time but Isaiah 47 Verse 43 rather Verse 7 will tell you That the reason why You were created The reason why you are on planet earth Before sin entered the world We must mention The reason you were created Was for his Glory That's what he says And and that's the case he makes here when he challenges them to repent. Verse 9, I hope you saw that. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Why? Here are the two things. That I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified. And so the temple had a very strategic place among the, the Israelites. And, uh, and he says they must rebuild this temple. A few observations. The first one, reasons why we neglect God's work. What are some of the reasons why people end up neglecting God's work? And first, it is because of the persecution from those who oppose us. Look at verse 2 with me in Haggai, back to Haggai chapter 1 and verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now the reason I read for you a few verses from Ezra is just to give you an understanding that uh, this reasoning of the rebuilding Of the house of the Lord's time not yet come is coming because they've been opposed they've been stopped by the Samaritans who are the Samaritans in this day and time the conquering Kings are the strategy that worked so well for them if they came to your city and they conquered you they made sure that you are displaced, so well displaced, so they will take you out of your nation and scatter you around, bring other people in your land, so that there is no regrouping, which might lead to rebellion later on. And so the foreigners who were brought into Jerusalem uh, start intermarrying with the Jews who had survived the the captivity who are already in the land and you know the struggles of the New Testament between Samaritans and the Jews because the Jews considered these Samaritans as half-breeds. They are not complete. So even when they are saying can we build with you because we worship the same God, a Jew is saying no. Yes, you have been because you had an issue You didn't know how to handle uh, your your, your stay in Jerusalem. Yes, you had to ask for a priest to come and teach you from captivity, come and teach you how to live with Yahweh. And yes, in in, in a way you embraced that, but there is untold syncretism from you because you are still embracing idolatry and your gods of old. So we cannot have this uh, with you. So... The Jews, when they were opposed, instead of uh, persevering, instead of continuing, continuing rather, they chose to quit. They stopped uh, the rebuilding of the temple. They were opposed and, 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 and what was easy was just to abandon the work. And brethren, we, we need to mention here that it is true that those who God has called to any kind of work, any particular work, we will suffer persecution, we will be opposed, we will be ridiculed, but we must go back to the work and continue on. In Second Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 12, we are told, all those who desire to live godly shall be persecuted. Philippians 1 verse 29, the Bible tells us it's appointed for you not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. There will be opposition one way or the other, but called by God we must continue on with work. So one reason people abandon God's work is just persecution, it's just they can't handle it, there's a lot of opposition, these are saying as if they are the only ones who are holy and they get wind of that, they don't even obey proverbs which says he who who answers a matter before he hears it is not wise, they don't even obey proverbs which says the first person to tell you a matter seems right until another one comes to examine. that they can follow the facts they just decide to abandon uh, they are talking too much but the other reason why God's work is neglected is personal interest if you look at verse 4 this is exactly what happened to these people God asks them through the prophet is it time for you because you are saying it's not time to build the house okay here's a question is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. So after opposition from the Samaritans and after quitting, personal programs now took over. They spent time uh, looking for money, looking for ways, looking for means to survive and to look after themselves And totally forgot about the work of the Lord uh, that uh, Cyrus had released them for. And one one commentator said, probably the influence of the life that Israel led with this return, this third return to rebuild the temple, uh, is that uh, they must have been influenced by their lifestyle in Babylon. They must have been influenced by the life they watch, the life of ungodliness, the life of uh, 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 just pursuing for your own interests. They must have been influenced by this. Well, unfortunately, this happens to both Christians and non-Christians because of the world's influence. We see a situation where God's work is neglected at whatever level, and if you just probe further, you, you, you want to discover what's the reason why a person who used to be at 90% commitment-wise, why they've gone to 45, you discover personal interests have taken over. It's this and this and this and this. Concentrating on things of our own. So I ask you, uh, brethren and friends, this morning, what is taking your time from God? Or in other words, what is hindering your obedience? Is it education? Are you you busy pursuing education? Or is it a job? A job that's a gift from God. Is it it? Or is it your spouse? Is it uh, your child? Or... Is there an idol you have begun to worship in your life? Why God now doesn't matter as he did to you before. What is it that is taking your time? What are you pursuing after? Notice what they said here in verse 2. It is not yet time to build the house of the Lord and this is the mindset for most Christians they will not tell you I won't do it they will not tell you uh, I refuse to do it they will just postpone it well we have issues uh, we, we are tr- still trying to see whether UTH can respond to that letter so that we can go in Or we are trying to see whether SOS will, we, are, we are waiting on that and, 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 and fair, fair enough But that's the end you hear About such a ministry and it dies Or such a commitment and it dies Just postpone it It's not yet time to build this Well verse 5 Comes with uh, the first consider your ways The the second one to come But the first one is in verse 5 Now therefore Thus says the Lord of hosts Consider your ways Literally Set your hearts upon what you have done And then answer two questions Or if you are not a Christian Set your heart upon the kind of life that you are living Pursuing after the things of this world And answer these two questions Question number one Is what you have done okay? Or is what you are doing okay? That's the point of verse 5 there Consider your ways. Think about what you are doing. Is it okay? What would be your answer? The kind of life that you are living, is it okay? What would be your answer? Where we have in Malachi, if you could turn with me there, kind of a similar situation, another prophet here rebuking, and in this case, the leaders of the nation, in Malachi and chapter 1, and there's a lot to learn from here. I hope you can just see it without even me making comments. Verse 6, Malachi 1. The Bible says, A son honors his father. God has a sense of humor. If, if we can learn from the way he taught and he teaches, and it's just amazing. It blows your mind away. So, here is, here is the foundation. A son honors his father an obedient son obviously some of you here sons you are disobedient so but the expectation so that you know that the place in which you are is not the right place the expectation is that a son should honor his father so a son honors his father and a servant his master if then i'm a father where is my honor And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Where is the reverence? That's what he's asking there. And then he goes on to say, and uh, says the Lord of us to you, O who despise my name, but see how we are blinded by our sin. But you say, how have we despised your name? They can't even see. This... Sadly, Brother Mkandawila was emphasizing the issue of repentance and I couldn't help it but just again remember and in, inside me just thank God for a live conscious because of God's word. It's a rare gift, friends. If you are here, you are not a Christian and you are one that... If you have issues with a friend, or you have issues with your parents, or you have issues with any authorities, for you, life as usual, month after month after month after month, I'll tell you what, it makes sense. Because you don't have this gift of a conscience that is alive. A conscience that offends a person. Yes, we are sinners. It could be a day, two, three, four days. A week could go. But you are smitten and you come back and you say, you know, I've done something wrong. These people, like many of us, say, how have we despised your name? Can you show us, oh Lord? How? And then he says, you are, you are bringing lame animals on the altar. And and you're asking that question, and you can't know? And then he says, okay, let's strike a deal. Take it to your boss at work. You do that kind of activity with your boss. You'll be given an assignment at work in the, in the manjirio meeting, or wherever you are, you, you have the planning meeting, and you're given an assignment, and you are told we need a report after three months and you go to wherever you are told to go and do something and they delay and they say come back again and you come and sit and say it's not time to deal with this and wait for the report meeting after three months I know what will happen you'll be fired you won't last in that campaign in fact you won't do it you are so committed to burn even your own fuel To make sure that you have a report after three months. So take it to your governor and see if he is going to accept you, is what he is saying here. So is what you are doing okay? That's the first question implied in Consider Your Ways. The second question is, at least can't you judge from what you are going through? Okay, let's just pause for a moment that uh, you you are blind and you are saying what I'm doing is okay. The life I'm living is okay. Can't you just look at what's happening to your life and what you are going through? Can't you judge from that that you are out of the way? Brethren, you cannot neglect God's work and expect nothing. And the reason is He loves us. He will step in to correct you. And we must not forget that we, ourselves, as you think about now the new covenant here, we are His greatest work. We are are the, the center of fellowship with Him. That's why to the church at Corinth, He's writing to those believers. He says, you are the temple of the living God. You, they were at the center of fellowship. That's what that's what he meant there, where he dwelt. And this is why, Mark twelve thirty thirty one, and I think Matthew twenty four, we are told, and and it's instructive at what point we are told this. The the lawyers have just asked Jesus which one is the greatest commandment in the case of Matthew and he says here is the greatest commandment you shall love the Lord your God and then this preposition phrase three times with all with all with all remember that you are the greatest work of God you are his temple if you are a Christian and if you are not a Christian remember this is his agenda at the point of creation it's not like he has two agendas for 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 two different kinds of people so you you can walk and live the way you are living say it's christians who must know the church business and this yes but there's coming a time of reckoning of accounting in which guess what the case will be the case given you will be you did not line up with the reason why I created you. John Piper says you were you created to make much of God, to make him important. Whatever reasons we might give for not putting God first, there are serious consequences. And this leads us to the second observation. So the first observation, the reason, reasons why we neglect God's work. Second observation results from neglecting God's work. We notice, number one, that heaven withholds its blessings. Verse 6, verse 6 of our text. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. If you go to verse 9, he repeats that. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home after laboring so much, my words... I blew it away, Heaven withholds its blessings. The children of Israel had it the hard way, all their efforts, all their commitments to make things happen, to live a life uh, suitable for the people of God who have returned from captivity, zero. In fact, I was thinking, I was saying, okay, wait a minute. I know there were the Samaritans in the land. Uh, was, was, the, was the cultivating still in place, and uh, were they still farming and doing some of it? Because, I mean, you've been out of the land for so long. And uh, the, the, those who've done agriculture will tell you the land has, has, has learned fallow. And it should be fatal. it should be the, the most fatal of, of, of all the lands that you, that you ever find. And it's in those circumstances God just withdraws a blessing, and it is suffering after suffering. Brethren, we, we do have a tendency as Christians, especially, sometimes of suspending God from our lives so that we can have more for our needs. I'll give an example here. So you've come to the end of the month and you know you're supposed to give tithe, tithes and offerings and you don't have enough money and you decide to suspend God and the reason, sounds good, it is so that you can have enough to take care of all your needs. And we forget, Deuteronomy, you don't need to turn there, let me read for you. We forget that... uh, the ability to get those funds, the ability to get our jobs, everything else comes from God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Notice, it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Verse 19, And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and save them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. The, the job we have, we forget all of a sudden that uh, all these things we have come from God. And, and, and God having the sense of humor that he has, he finds a way, I'll say more about that in a moment, to finally come back and get back what belongs to him. And it can be scary. So you will not know sufficiency when you neglect God's work. That's what we see here. They are sowing, but it's, not, it's nowhere. They, 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 they brought it home, and God says, He blows it away. No sufficiency. But you also know no satisfaction. Verse 9 is interesting. I think uh, the last part there, it says, uh, You looked for much. Sorry, it's verse six actually. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. And here it is: you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. You are putting on your, your best uh, winter 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 jacket, and you are not warm. That, that is 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 suggesting there from what he has done among them. Do you, friends, sometimes wonder why life is so difficult? Do you sometimes wonder why nothing is enjoyable in your life? You have a good job. You are highly educated. And you are pursuing education and you, you are even succeeding in some cases. But then there's just no joy. The, then, then you wonder I don't know if, if, if you wonder like others do you look at uh, people that you think must be the most satisfied in, in life and they aren't why? well based on our text notwithstanding other reasons for why you might go through those situations based on our text it's because you have ignored God. Chapter, verse 9, the last part. Here is the answer. I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of us, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. That's the reason. That's the reason. So what heaven has done is that heaven has visited and withdrawn the blessing. And yes, activity is going on, but there's no satisfaction, never sufficient. Why? Well, before you start looking for answers outside of you, outside of your home, pause and just look within. Could it be that you've abandoned the work of the Lord? Could that be the reason? One way or another, as I said, God will get back what belongs to him. And sometimes it can be scary. We've uh, convinced ourselves we need enough money so that we can take care of this problem and that problem. And we've chewed God's money, which we're supposed to support his work. And then sickness in our home, one person after another, medical bills, medical bills, medical bills, and all of it goes and even gets interest. heaven withdraws its blessings. But second, heaven puts a curse on the labor of our hands. That's what he says in verse 11 there. I have called for a drought on the land, and the hills on the grain, the new wine, the oil on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and all their labors i have put a curse, i have I've, I've caused a drought. And nothing is happening. You've sown much, yes, but there's nothing. In verse 6, even said, those of you who even earn wages, you do so only to put them in the bag, but not knowing it as holes. The money is just going in and disappearing. When I served in Kitu, I served with a missionary uh, who had, uh, before coming to Zambia, they were in Kenya. And he told a story. As I tell you this story, uh, let me up front say, I'm not judging the brother in this story. The brother, by his conviction, revealed the judgment himself. So this is a God and me. It's his conviction why he said what you're about to hear. So they had a house helper. And the day that he got paid, uh, he got his salary. And uh, during the day, he, the, the wheatworms, uh, Pastor Wheatworm and the wife, they just see him coming and uh, he's weeping like a child. And they say, why are you crying? Why, wh- what's, the, what's the matter? I mean, he wants to explain and then you know the way we do it, you cry more. So they brought him in the house. And the first words from his mouth were Now I believe that you don't play with God Obviously in Swahili, however that sounded Now I believe that you don't play with God ah, What do you mean you don't play with God? Then he tells his odie, You know he had gone to they had the pit latrine He had gone to use the pit latrine And his entire salary was in the back pocket And you know what happened In the latrine all of it. I don't think the witworms would have said, aha, uh-huh, God has hammered you. But he himself had a conviction. No under those words. Now I see that you don't play with God. And then he told the rest of the story. Very good Christian, but unfaithful in the area of service and giving. God never allows his children to go on in sin. He never. Because of his character, he never. He never does it. He will intervene. And bring judgment. And we know as Christians that even when that hasn't come, we know it's a matter of time. And for a moment, I want to talk to you who is not a Christian here because you are pursuing school and you are succeeding. You have such a that nice job and everything seems to be working well. I mean, trips here and allowances and everything. And sometimes you sit in your couch, you're wondering, these Christians, haven't they just missed something? Because, I mean, this life you can just uh, live the way you want. No, you've forgotten something. Go with me to Second Peter. You've forgotten something and you need to be reminded. Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, let me pick it up from verse... Verse 3, knowing this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desire, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? And here is a lie, how they, they've deceived themselves. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, All things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. A lie. And Peter answers to that lie just in the next verse. He says, no, they've just forgotten and they are deceived. And he talks about the flood and he talks about what has already happened, which these people are forgetting. So when you think all is well, you are healthy, and the job seems to be going on well, And you say, where are these calamities they talk about? Because everything seems to just be going on smoothly and fine. No, you are lying to yourself. Here is why you are enjoying the mercies of God. Verse 9, 2 Peter. This is the reason. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Do you know why you think nothing is happening? God is patient towards you. Jonathan Edwards preached one of the most scary sermons, uh, the sinners in the hands of an angry God. And the text he used there is what I want to suggest to you. I forget the reference, but you, you, when, when you think all is well, you are actually on slippery ground. It's a matter of time before your feet slips off. You are on slippery ground. I wish you knew that you are on a banana peel. You are not on the solid ground. It's a matter of time. And so the challenge would be, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Third observation, reminder to engage in God's work. And here we have a a second consider your ways, verse 7. And this time it's different. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This time, the suggestion is, think again. Think again. And it is repent. That's suggested in verse 8 there. Go up. Rise up from your backsliding. Go up to the hills and bring the wood and build the house that I may take pleasure and be glorified in it. Consider your ways. Think again. Repent. And that's the the theme of our worship today. Repentance is, is, is turning away from that which is wrong and turning to God. A place where it is very well illustrated is in 1 Thessalonians when when, when the, the church at Thessalonica turned away from their idols to the living God to serve Him. Three things in this repentance. Repentance can be seen. Repentance is not just a verbal claim. It's not just a Judas Iscariot saying, no, I have betrayed an innocent person. It's not just uh, 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 King Pharaoh saying, okay, 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 now this time I'll let you go. Repentance is a change of mind. For you as a Christian, repentance is pausing and saying, wait a minute, can't I judge? from what God has just chosen to allow because He has stepped in my life to bring discipline and collection so that I can go back to Him? For you who is not a a Christian, you are non-Christian, you pause and you think about your life and how God has been so gracious to you despite the fact that you are not a Christian. But in His common grace, He's loving you. He's given you the most one of the most perfect health that there is to be <laughs> to be seen. You are healthy. You are doing everything okay. And all you do in return is arrogance. This walk we are, you know, on the copper belt we say a kabova. You know, you know that walk, eh? You know, th- that's all you do. Well, the Bible says there's coming a time when you will kneel before the maker. When you will confess with the mouth, that time when it comes, there is no such a thing that, uh, this is the commander of uh, intercity. Everyone bows to the Lord of Lords. Will you be ready? So consider your ways. Think again. Repent. Rise from backsliding. And... you might ask at this point, why was the temple so important? Why did God uh, 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 discipline His children like this because they are not build, rebuilding the temple? Well, He told us in verse eight, "That I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified in it." The temple was the place of fellowship for God with His people, and it was for His own glory, for His own word. It was so significant, and if wherever you were as a, as a Jew, if you needed the favor, the God's favor, God's mercy, Solomon had asked the Lord prior to this time, all you needed was just to kneel and face Jerusalem where the temple was, and then you would pray. That's what Daniel did when he was in captivity. Just opened his window three times a day, praying, facing Jerusalem. It was so important. Well, the parallel to that is what I just said in the introduction. It's the reason why we were created. Same two reasons. Why did God create us? Isaiah 43 verse 7. Fellowship and for his own glory. That we might make much of him. That we might, not, not as if we are, we, are, we are adding anything to him, but before a watching world we are saying, the God we worship is holy, he's kind, he's loving, he's merciful. But not when you are treating your house servant or your maid the way you do, can you show those things. Mercy, kindness, you can't show them with the arrogance sometimes as Christians we can have. And I mean, the other day I was walking uh, Walking back home and uh, this car comes to the gate. I mean, first the horn and then the lady is struggling to open the gate. send And the lady comes, oh, I've sent it. I mean, I mean you can't show this God like that. When I served as a pastor in, 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 in Kitwe in a compound, most of church members from the mother church used to come to me asking for meds. It was embarrassing most of the times. Because you meet this maid in the street. Ah, what are you doing? Ah, I stopped to work. Why? Ah, that lady? Christians, you can't. Okay, last conclusion here, and last observation rather, and we close. A response which God desires What's the response God desires? Look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shehotio and Joshua the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Verse 13, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shehotio, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, the king. What response does God desire? Obedience. When, when we are rebuked for our sins, He wants us to obey. They obeyed. Fear. This fear here has the idea of reverence. Reverence. That we come before God knowing that we are coming before our Father who is holy. That we are not casual. That's why He asked in Malachi, Do it to your governor." That, that we are not casual. At this point, I, 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 I don't want to be misunderstood to even be kind of legalistic because I can append it to texts like this talking about reverence, that in our, in our dressing, that in, in what we do, our drink, everything we do, we are not casual. We are not coming as if we are coming to meet a friend or some, somebody but that we are motivated by the same motivation that we get when we are called for an interview, for a job interview, or when we are called to go and present a manifesto before the president or before some official, that that same motivation and more be the motivation to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. They acted in obedience. I want you to notice that. That's genuine repentance. There is action. Genuine repentance as action. They acted. That's why I read to the end of the verse. They went, got the wood, and built the temple. What will you do in response to what you have heard? So I close with two questions. Will you consider your ways? Will you consider your ways? If you're a Christian, I'm saying, is what you're doing okay, the way you're living, is it okay? where God has gotten a second place in your life, is that okay? But I'm also asking, are you, are you not able to judge, at least from what has befallen you, from what is happening to you? Like that uh, house servant in, in Kenya, where between you and God, you have no shadow of doubt that this is the judging hand of God. No shadow of doubt. And if you're not a Christian for this question, I'm saying, will you consider your worth? God will not forever be your lawyer. Very soon and very soon, he might just stand out as a judge. Will you face him? Will you repent of your sins? Will you repent of your arrogance and and disobedience? And will will, will you come to him? and ask him for forgiveness. The second question, would you repent and rise from your backsliding? It is it is almost known by everybody that when Christianity begins at the point of our conversion, we you know we're so excited and uh, we want to go everywhere everyone is going. And for some reason, we plateau And for some reason, we start going down, and we even forget that we actually went down. So where we plateau, we think it's normal. And good Christians are shaking their heads. This person, can't they see? But meanwhile, we are saying, this is it. We are members at KPC, serving the Lord. Will you repent and rise from your backsliding? It's also, it's also known, Tabo and Brother David, that before people get married, 92% commitment. After marriage, 71 60 Why? And ministries begin to die because of marriage. A good gift of God, ministries begin to die. Just uh, after going out there, I'm no longer a youth. I'm going to the ladies' ministry now. I'm going this. When When you have a gift for the ministry, whatever you've been doing, will you consider your ways? Will you repent? Will you come back to Him? Amen.